I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk to Stephen Perry, the president and CEO of New Orleans and Company, the destination marketing organization that sells the city to business and leisure travelers. We wanted to get an update on the tourism numbers and how things are looking uh, for the rest of the year. Stephen, thanks for being on the podcast. Always a pleasure, Rich. The last one we did with you was one of our most listened to, so I thought it was good to get you back on and talk about a subject that everyone is uh, thinking about and worrying about. So, sure. I guess the obvious question is, rain aside, how are we looking right now? You know, What metrics can you talk about and what are the anecdotal things that you can share? Well, Rich, it looks so much different from October when you and I last talked. The trepidation we had, the fears, the worries, we were right in the middle of it. And we started to have a little optimism for November, but then, of course, the Thanksgiving travel and another spike. And then we had Christmas and another spike in the virus. And and so it, it started off the new year very bad. And we were overall at the most, I mean, I will tell you, most of our hotels were running for most days in the single digit occupancies mm. is just, uh, was astonishing. And, and overall, we were barely hitting about 19% occupancy for the city and hotels. Mm. Restaurants um, were also in very difficult shape in January. Restaurants were having um, the, the best way for us to estimate it is that they were running about 30% of their top line revenue compared to 19. Okay. That means you're 70% down, you know? And so the fortunate thing was that we got the new PPP program passed at the end of December that really produced what for us was a bridge to recovery. Our hotels and restaurants needed that federal help so much, and that really helped them move forward. Now, as we got into February, uh, we started to see some improvement. It wasn't where we would have liked. Our estimates were really conservative, but we just felt like a change was happening. You know, we were beginning to see weekend days where we were hitting 35% occupancy and some were still having weak weekdays. And that, of course, is because here in New Orleans, we're so diversified. You've got business travel, you've got conventions and meetings, fairs and festivals, all these sporting events. And of course, those were zeroed out. And so it was still really down. March was when things began to turn the corner. And they began, we began to get a feeling of what I guess I would call cautious optimism. Um, New Orleans has always done well during spring break periods. This year, spring break and Easter ran really a three or four week period. And the reason is, you know, school schedules have changed so much. You had differences with uh, high schools and elementary schools. You had um, uh, colleges on different schedules. You always had the Easter break. But we had great fortune in that as you well know, because I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as I did, the weather was spectacular. 
I mean, it was just, I mean, it couldn't have been more gorgeous spring weather. So what happened was all of a sudden we saw the travelers come and we got to the point where instead of being at 35% on a weekend night, in many of the more well-known properties in the quarter, they were hitting in the 90 percentile. Wow. wow. Now, that it was incredibly positive. Now, it's not producing the same revenue because rate, you know, is not like it was because you don't have the compression. And everyone wasn't doing it. But we were seeing, if, if you were just alive in New Orleans, you could see the downtown feel change. You could see the change in neighborhoods, the change in the French Quarter. Um, for those who were on Magazine Street in the last month, it was like, what pandemic? Right. I mean, it was packed. You know, you were driving like five miles an hour down Magazine Street because of the cars. Every restaurant was packed. Um, people were on the street. They were shopping. So our cautious optimism, the reason I say cautious optimism is because we have a couple of things in play. One, we think this is being driven partly by getting new federal stimulus, uh, individuals and amazingly hospitality workers in particular have gotten uh, much better support from government. Um, and talking to a lot of my partners or, or colleagues, my, my uh, competitors around the South, uh, they were seeing the same thing. They're seeing a lot of hospitality workers actually traveling and doing some things. Uh, since so many were out of work and they were getting some federal help. But we all saw a new group of people coming into town. And, you know, the interesting thing is, as great as it is, and again, weekdays are still low because we don't have those things to fill them. Right. But ends have gotten so much better. But the real test, Rich, is going to be the next three or four weeks because that will be after the... Um, all of the spring break periods. Right, right. At a more, we're, we're going to see what a normalization looks like. But our, the, we have a couple of problems left in our, in our industry and a couple of challenges and hurdles. One, we're pleased that we've been able to make some progress on the, uh, on the restrictions. I think the governor did a terrific job in moving us forward. There's only one thing we would have really tweaked in his um, the mayor, of course, keeps it more conservative here. Um, I think part of the progress was moving from the 11 p.m. to the 1 a.m. alcohol cutoff. Um, New Orleans eat later, they drink later, and, you know, you shouldn't have the same rules in New Orleans uh, that you would, in fact, you're still stricter than you would have in Bastrop or Ruston, right. uh, you know, so we feel like we made a little progress there. The governor went to 100% of restaurant openings and now 63 parishes are fully wide open, but there's still one restriction and we're at 75% with that restriction. And that is that we still have six foot distancing between tables. And if we could change anything as an incremental step right now, Rich, what we would do would be to reduce the 72 inch spread down to 48 inches and still keep the 75% capacity right. other month and then have that be the second lifting or loosening of restrictions. And the reason is when you're still at 75% with a six foot spread in New Orleans, 
because of so many historic restaurants and neighborhood restaurants, it really doesn't help them that much. So they are capped in terms of getting back. Is that, the tweak? Is that the tweak you wanted to make to the governor's plan? Well, that would be the tweak. The, the tweak would be to take uh, us from 72 inches gotcha. down to 48 inches gotcha. and hold for a month. And then let's see the numbers. Let's see the vaccination levels because the number, you know, with over a million, I mean, that's 20% plus of the population of Louisiana having completed their vaccinations and another good number that have already had first shots. Uh, that's very promising nationally. And what, one of the reasons we believe that we're see that we saw this real movement in the last three or four weeks is the fact that the vaccine administration has really picked up. You're seeing days with millions of Americans being vaccinated. And I think what that does, Rich, is it gives a confidence back to the traveler. You know, it makes them feel better. They know that where they're going is being vaccinated. They knew in New Orleans case that our positivity rates are extremely low, you know, less than 1%. And as a result, people are getting back on the road. So we're hopeful that things will continue to loosen. The most important big step was really getting our music clubs back open. You know, they're not all opening simultaneously, but, you know, I have a good friend, Michael Watson, who's one of the great trombonists in this city. And he and he's been playing at Spotted Cat the last week or two. And they're selling out each show within an hour. Right. Um, and then they're and they're doing them virtually uh, on Facebook and others. And we're seeing that all over it at tips and other places. I know Kermit's uh, getting back open this next week. This really matters because for visitors in New Orleans, as well as locals, the thing that gets them out is the ability to eat at the places they love and enjoy that music, to have a drink at the bars that they really enjoy, and third, to be able to hear music again. Right, right. It live. You know, the good thing is our attractions are doing well. Um, World War II Museum, one of our most important, very well-known nationally, is having excellent attendance records. At Audubon, at the, you know, when, when, you, when you think about them, and especially with the zoo, it's outside. Do you know that the last four weekends were the equal or better of the same four weekends in 2019? Wow, wow. Families were coming out because parents and children, you not only had spring break, you had spectacular weather, and you had the combination of an outdoors, outside environment. So they're able to make the same kind, you know, social distancing is not hard at the zoo. You're able to keep your spacing very easily, even when you have good crowds. So we're really glad to hear that. We've also had, uh, since we've talked to you, we've had a couple of conventions, and, you know, and those have been very important, just morale wise for us. And going through it, you know, it's almost like spring practice in football. Right. <laughs> You're getting a chance to get some some smaller to mid-sized meetings, um, work the kinks out. You know, we had full cooperation and approval and, and uh, approval with Dr. Avegno here with the city and with the governor's right hand person on larger meetings. Uh, that's the state fire marshal, which Browning has just been a tremendous uh, support for us. So we had a you know, we've had a. Um, first was a six, 700 person meeting. 
And the other was a, you know, it, it was 1,500 to 2,000 people, completely social distanced, masked, you know, met every requirement. It went incredibly successfully. It wasn't open to the public. You know, it was the people that were members of that group. So we were able to keep, you know, all of the standards that we want about New Orleans, because one of the things that we talk about all the time, whether it's business customers or leisure customers, is the fact that we are a safe place to go. Our restaurants are hyper clean. We're meeting high standards. We have low positivity. We have commitments to masking. Because, um, you know, you can go too far. Because one of the things we saw when the Texas governor lifted the mask requirements, three conventions and the capital city of Austin canceled. So there is a balance that you have to have right now, Rich, and we're trying to do that. Um, just starting at the beginning of this month after Easter, we started some, some light marketing again, uh, both in Louisiana for visitors that come. You know, the Baton Rouge market has always been great for us. And North Louisiana, as people are getting out now, um, but we're we're having a really good reach into our drive radius, Houston and Dallas, um, Jackson, Mississippi, Mobile, the Panhandle of Florida. Uh, now we'll be expanding up to Birmingham, and we have the ability to go as far as Memphis. And what we're doing is we're broadening the circle little bit by little bit. Uh, we have a powerful new marketing campaign that's going to kick off at the beginning of May. It will probably have a press conference to talk about it, but it is, it's one that is focused on safety, but it, it tweaks the heartstrings of what it means to travel and what it truly does mean to miss New Orleans. You know, so it's, um, again, we have some optimism. So the problem is that you look at our small nonprofit, you know, responsible for driving a $10.8 billion visitor spend economy each year. And last year, we lost $23 million. And we're projecting losses of around 20 to $21 million this year. That's over these two years. And that's because most of our revenue comes from um, hotel assessments. And then the second tier from a one cent hotel tax that the that the state levies, we're not getting any city dollars at you know at this point. So it's all self it's all self generated. But we don't have the money to drive the recovery of this economy. You know we do have money to put into some spring marketing, some summer marketing as pent up demand we think will unleash in a second wave. And we're going to see some good recovery and have some marketing for it in the fall. But the problem is our competitors have five to 10 times more money than we do. You look at Las Vegas, you know, Las Vegas CVB has a budget over $250 million. You know, they, they will have up to $100 million in marketing to spend. Right now, we have six. Why do they still have the money? Well, they they print money in their basements out there. <laughs> you know, the great thing is for them that they have a massive corporate and casino base, you know, that has the dollars. They, they have planned well. Look, we planned well. We were ready for another crisis. We didn't think it would be at this level. But so we've been able to stay alive. But at the same time, 
we had to permanently terminate 35 now of our employees. So we're down to a core group and every dollar that we get, we're focusing on marketing and sales. The trends that we're seeing is our leads are back up again. People are expressing interest in uh, small meetings and hotels. We're seeing the expression of interest uh, of actually keeping the conventions that are on the books. That really, really matters. We have, um, we have a few really nice conventions this fall and we've been working with them almost on a weekly basis to make sure that we and they are crafting the right messaging to their exhibitors and attendees and crafting the right safety protocols to make sure that these are safe and meeting the standards that the governor and the mayor have set. We actually have the National Association of Chiefs of Police the third week of September, and they are a tremendous group and a regular customer, and we're just excited about them coming back. And it's frankly a, a perfect time to uh, have these conventions be starting again, because by that point, you will see America reaching herd immunity levels, we believe. The Biden administration thinks that we'll have 70% um, of all Americans vaccinated by the 4th of July. That, that is the goal that we join in. And we're urging, like in my company, we have already 75% of our employees have completed all their vac vaccinations. We're having massive vaccination efforts in the restaurant community and the hotel community uh, right now, uh, I hope many of your listeners are aware that at the convention center, it is a no wait process. If you are ready for your shot, you can get go to the convention center. There are tons of appointments open, plenty of vaccines. So we're excited about the way that Americans are, uh, you know, ad adopting and adapting to the fact that, like, it's just re it's, it's like getting a flu shot. Going and getting shots is easy, and frankly, it can save your life and the and your family. So, we're just, um, you know, we're thinking that we're going to see steady progression through the year. The spring has looked good. Summer is the one that we don't really know. We know on one hand, we're going. It's going to be a balancing act because, Rich, we know on one hand that Americans' pent up demand to travel is going to really unleash as kids are out of school. But combined with that, we do have the issue that normally, like at the end of July and August, New Orleans is slow anyway. Right. It's because you have fewer conventions. And on the leisure side, so many people use that time to go to the beach and they go to trips to national parks. And look, we understand that. We think this year, however, that we're gonna actually do proportionately better than normal because we're gonna be able to attract people to come here and enjoy these great museums and attractions and music. And, and then Rich, when we get into the fall, it's almost going, you know, I remember back to that day after Katrina when Jazz Fest was held, you know, just what was it? Seven, eight, nine months after Katrina. And you know, a lot of people questioned whether that should happen. But that was the national planting of the flag in the ground that New Orleans was alive, its culture was alive. 
you know, I think we're going to see a different kind of repeat of that this October with French Quarter Fest to lead off early October, with Jazz Fest the next two weekends, with some, we, we can't talk about the talent, but I will tell you, Quint has got some unbelievable names lined up. And he'll be able to make a final decision in July. But right now, things are looking awfully good. So we're excited about that. And as we get festivals and conventions, though on a reduced basis, um, with great safety um, protocols adhered to, we're going to be feeling so, we're going to be achieving an emotional normalcy, I think, even though we won't be back in the numbers. Rich, the next piece that's going to be fascinating to watch is American Airlines. Right now at our airport, we are only at about 44, between 43 and 45 percent of the load factors and capacity that we had prior to the pandemic. Nationally, those are pretty much the same numbers. It's still below 50 percent, which means that you're more than 50 percent down. One of the difficulties the airlines are having is that like many hotels, and you, you may have heard that many of the corporate brands like the Marriott's and the Hilton's had severe reductions at their corporate headquarters. Uh, all hotels here in the city obviously have reduced levels of employment. Our restaurants do as well. The airlines, when they had to severely cut back because no one was flying at the end of last spring, you know, they offered a lot of early retirements and they offered a lot of phase outs for employees. Well, they haven't, they're not coming back. They don't have enough planes right now. They don't have enough pilots. Now, are they going to get there? I think they will. Some of the airlines have begun doing some amazing things to get flights back for the summer. Um, I think we're going to see it being into the fall before they're, they're really hitting their stride again. And the reason is that business travel is the absolute foundation of the national airline industry. Because, you know, business is used to being in the air, moving and going at all, all times. And uh, American corporations have cut back drastically. You know, the very fact that you and I are seeing each other on Zoom while we're recording this audio, um, it has replaced a lot of connections. You're going to have face-to-face -face coming back, but it's going to take a little bit of time. Now, I just hit on you know, the fact that you've got airline issues with uh, staffing and pilots, you've got hotel issues and you've got uh, restaurant issues. Let me tell you, it is right now maybe our single greatest obstacle is getting our colleagues, our associates, uh, you know, all the people that we work with year round back. Right now, you know, they've got their good unemployment benefits. Uh, there are, we got the federal incentive check. I mean, um, the, the federal checks to offset, you know, the losses of income people had. And look, this is really important for our whole workforce. But we also have a need for people to get back to work. And I think they want to get back to work because you know what? After a while, you just miss your colleagues. You miss your friends. You miss being a part of a team. Uh, we're going to be talking about it a lot lately. But right now, restaurants need their people back. Hotels do. And, you know, 
we kind of laugh about it in some of our meetings. I mean, some of the hotels, they might hit a 90% on the weekend, but they really only have staffing for about 40 to 45%. So mm -hmm. what you do is you have, and some of them even less than that. So we even laugh that we've got sometimes general managers and directors of sales stripping beds, you know, not finishing the rooms, but jumping in and helping. Because right now, like in our company, it's, it's all hands on deck. And it's a joyous all hands on deck because we have business again. Right. So that's, that's kind of a picture of where we are. Sure. And um, we're just, uh, we're cautiously optimistic, Rich. <laughs> well, I got a couple of questions for you. I wanted to ask about fall meetings. So it sounds like it's going to be, you have a few more spring training type meetings coming up. Uh, summer's going to be quiet, like it always is. And then at what percentage is the fall going to be? Look, for us, back in January, 25% would have been good. Right. You know, February, 35 would have been good. And now it's growing and growing. I mean, we're going to have a citywide occupancy in October greater than 50%, counting all of the weekdays. Okay, so that, hotels will be over 50% in the fall. Right. That'll be an astonishing comeback. But when we have Jazz Fest in, you know, I, I think we're going to be selling out most of our available rooms. Right. You know, Jazz Fest uh, is not only regionally popular, but, you know, Quint will tell you that a lot of his uh, higher end tickets, like the Grand Marshal passes and the uh, Big Chief passes, a lot of those are sold from New York and Chicago and L.A. It's really New York and L.A. in particular. We think because of the return of air travel, the fact that they know that we've got vaccinations, the fact that they are getting vaccinations, the fact that it won't be the same size crowds as before and it'll be properly handled, it's going to be safe. And I think people by this fall, when they see what America's accomplished, they're going to be aching to do something fun. And, and, and frankly, there's nothing more fun to do than coming to Jazz Fest. Right. And right. Come, to, I'll come a day early and go to the aquarium or go to the World War II Museum. And they go out, you know, it's, it's amazing how people, when you come in for Jazz Fest, you find a way to do a million things. So that for us, I mean, I would expect us Rich to be like 90, 95% um, on those weekends. And I expect the weekdays to be growing more with the conventions coming. We don't know yet. We can't, the, the, the really multi-billion dollar question in our industry is as conventions return all over the country, us in Orlando and Chicago and Las Vegas, et cetera, is what will attendance levels be like? And what will exhibitor levels be like? One of the reasons they didn't come back this spring to any degree was that companies are cautious and risk averse. The exhibitors that, of course, work uh, in tangent with the corporations are the same and the associations. And people weren't quite ready to be in, in large gathering settings. The fact that we have been kind of pioneers in the country, we have modeled how do you set up a convention center? And that was how we got the city and we got the state in with partnership. We can do this so safely by adhering to the kind of protocols we've developed. And what I'm really hoping is that 
we are going to be able to have one thing that we've lost that we disagree with government about, and that was we've we've lost weddings. Um, we have a though the governor went up to 500 capacity on social gatherings. The city's still at 150. Now that helped a little bit, but when we have ballrooms that have tremendous capacities, and the governor and state health leaders have set 50 percent you know, capacity up to 500 people. We think we're going to very soon, we hope the mayor and Dr. Avegno will allow us to ease those numbers, that 150 cap up. Um, we're, we're just, there are only a few things left that we, that we think will help incrementally. Um, and I got to tell you, Rich, and this is, you may think this is heresy from our industry, but let me tell you, everybody in our industry in New Orleans, we believe that masking up still matters. Now, I know we've seen states on either side of us across the South eliminate masks. Uh, I don't think it's prudent. We're not there yet. We're making great progress toward herd immunity. We're making great progress here in Louisiana, but especially in New Orleans on positivity rates. But the reality is that until we get 70, you know, 75% of America uh, vaccinated, it's prudent and safe. And it, I think it makes all of us feel better. Even people that have, you know, completed their vaccines like me. I mean, I've, I've done that more than a month and a half ago. And so I, <clears throat> excuse me, I do feel better. And I know that our customers feel better, but we can't relax right now because, as you know, from just watching the news, there are things in other states that are not great. Right, right. Um, talk to, uh, a couple of just questions that I've got just on my list here uh, so I don't forget to ask you. One is, how did you guys end up doing, did you ever finally get any help from any of the federal programs that, in New Orleans and company itself? <clears throat> We, of course, like all 501c6s, were left out in the last year, in 2020. But in the act that came in 2021, we got a small bit of help. And unfortunately, the way it was set up, the deadlines, by the time it passed and rules were promulgated for us to spend, that it didn't help as much as we wanted. Now they've extended that PPP time. So we are very optimistic about that. Um, the state, as you know, is getting well over $3 billion. Um, the city is getting $379 million. We're not going to go to the city and ask for marketing money. We're just not going to do that. And, uh, you know, I would, I would tell you if I was, and I know the mayor's you know, and I have disagreed on a handful of things, but I think one thing we agree on with this money is that we need to do some real capital things with sewage and water board on one-time spending, you know, and buying equipment. Um, what I would also hope that we would do with a very small portion of the city dollars is put it toward transforming the look of the French Quarter. The last time that was done was by Mayor Dutch Morial in 1983 and 84 in preparation for the World's Fair. Right. Repairing every sidewalk, replacing all the historic lighting. I mean, making it look amazing. It never looked better than that. 
And I'm hoping that the mayor and the council will take this opportunity when you have money to that magnitude to do something again to make, look, it's not putting one neighborhood over another. The reality is it's a very unique neighborhood because a $10 billion part of our economy and 100,000 jobs depend on it. And so putting it in one-time ways toward doing some real infrastructure repair in, in, in the quarter would I think be tremendous. We are going um, and working with the state. I know the Lieutenant Governor is working hard. We're working hard. Uh, we were very pleased that the Governor and Commissioner of Administration came out and said they considered tourism recovery to be a top priority of the state. Uh, Jay Darden testified to that before joint budget in the Appropriations Committee. So uh, we are going to seek dollars to help us get this economy kickstarted. Because, you know, kickstarting the New Orleans economy is not just about New Orleans. It's about the state because we're a huge piece of the state's economy. So we're going to focus on that and make the business case. And I'm hopeful that we will get some help. Um, you know, we have got a Republican dominated legislature, nearly two thirds in both chambers, and they're going to be looking for a business case model. And we are working on that right now to show them how important this is not. We know the politics are different here. It's not about that. This is about small business owners and working men and women. And I think we're going to make some real progress. So, so in other words, with all the, that big wave of money that came down, you guys got a little bit of help finally uh, in terms of some adjusted PPP rules. You're not going to ask for help from the city, but you're hoping to get some help from the state. Uh, and that case is about to be made. But this is, I've never, this is the first I've heard of it. You're talking about uh, maybe making a pitch to the city that when, as they form these committees to figure out how to use the money, you suggest some of it get used toward infrastructure and you know, just all around improvements of the quarter. And so we haven't, you're actually getting the first shot at this because we, <laughs> like <it's> <laughs> we haven't made that formal recommendation yet. Uh, the mayor talked uh, yesterday and it was in the, the papers this morning about putting together her working panel. Uh, we're going to be submitting to that working panel something that we feel is absolutely critical and only a small portion of those dollars. And that is to restore the beauty and the infrastructure in the French Quarter. And I gotta tell you, if, if we do that, and this would take just a tiny percentage of the 379 million the city had, if we do that, it will be much better, easier to keep it clean, to keep it safe for all of our workers and uh, for the recovery of our economy. So, um, I know that there's no doubt that the mayor is thinking a lot about infrastructure with this because that's the wise use of one-time dollars. Because when you're looking at when you're looking at at infrastructure, and you're not having to do it through bonded debt, it's incredibly less expensive, and you can get it done immediately. And we all know that there are tremendous needs in sewage and water board with replacing outdated equipment that can be a part of a, of a comprehensive flood and storm protection strategy. So I think the mayor is really looking hard at that. And, and I think most business groups are going to be looking there. 
and and we certainly will as well in recommending that we're not going to ask the mayor for any support for us or any support to reach kickstart um, our tourism economy through branding and so forth and marketing and sales. We're going to figure out how to do that. But the infrastructure of that neighborhood and of the downtown, Rich, it, it makes all the difference in the world to what is the driving force in the New Orleans economy. So that would be, I think, a wise investment and would be such a tiny part and I'm glad the mayor's getting a lot of input from a lot of areas because there's so many needs for housing. You know, affordable housing really matters. Sewage and water board really matters. Uh, green space and parkways and things like the Lafitte Greenway, those are things that to me really matter. So I, th I think we're gonna have uh, good progress from the city. And um, because here, you know, the state's two largest physical assets happen to be here, the Superdome and the Convention Center. And why it's so important for us to recover and why we would look to the state is New Orleans and Company is actually the official marketing and sales agency for both the Superdome and the Convention Center. And not only the events that we uh, attract it to those buildings, but rich Every tourist that stays in a New Orleans hotel, there are nearly eight points of that hotel tax that go to paying the debt service of those buildings. Here in Louisiana, we're really lucky. No New Orleanian and no Louisiana citizen has to pay a penny for debt service and operations of the convention center or the Superdome because we generate it from those guests that come, bringing those billions of dollars. So we're really excited about our ability to help the state in its recovery. And uh, we've begun making, making those pitches. We're meeting with legislative leadership. And um, look, it's gonna be a hard battle, but we're gonna do our best to make a business case that really works for the entire Louisiana economy. Understood. All right, Stephen, I, I wanna ask three quick questions uh, to, to wrap up if that's okay. Go quick. I said, I don't know how quick it's going to be. I said, I'll go quick because I, I know I talk too long. <laughs> okay, so qu question number one is, it sounds like you're, you've described a situation where we've got um, the drive visitors that you predicted when I talked to you last time. That's who we're getting right now, by and large. Uh, and it's, and it's uh, focused on the weekends because we don't have the meetings back yet. Uh, when do you think... If you're looking ahead in budgeting, when do you think we're going to see the return of weekday decent occupancy rates and some meetings uh, and, and things where that looks a little bit more normal? I think you're going to be able to see the first feel of it in the fall, in the later fall. I think by next spring, you're going to see it really begin to expand and take hold, and it will be in incremental steps. I think we're gonna have a lot more visitors. We're gonna have a lot more meetings, but they're gonna be smaller. We're gonna reconfirm through 22 and 23, our larger meetings. And so if you really look at where we think we'll be, most national hotel corporations and our local owners and hotel corporations are looking to the very end of 24 or early 2025 when the actual rev par or the uh, 
combination of occupancy and rate is restored. And that applies to the taxes that are generated because they're a function of that too. Understood. So I you're going to see it by next spring looking more normal. I think we're going to see a base of probably, if I had to guess, 22 might be 65%. Maybe we could get to 70, but that's, 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 that's going to be, um, it depends on how well the mutations go. It depends on how the vaccinations continue and I predict by early next spring, we're going to start a new round of booster shots, just like annual flu shots. I think all of that is going to play. I, I think I look at the end of 24 is when we will have recovered gotcha. beginning of 25, but I, as to where we're this year hitting 45 or 50% or whether that grows tremendously to 65% next year, only all of these factors that we've talked about will tell. Understood. And you're talking about downtown hotel occupancy when you say those numbers, right? Right. We're talking about down. Of course, that's the preponderance of the hotel block. We use a set. We use a set, even though the region, you know, has close to 40,000 rooms. They, uh, the rooms in Jefferson are not nearly as impacted as ours. And uh, because ours deal with, uh, they're built around the conventions and the visitor base. You know, it's the same, it's the same reason in our restaurants, Rich, you go to Baton Rouge or go to Jefferson Parish, you can't tell you're having a pandemic. Right. And the, I mean, they're packed. But in New Orleans, the difference is we have a little tougher restrictions. But when you're thinking about downtown, 70% plus of those diners are people that come in right. from the we're built and sized for a different group. That's right. what happens when you have 18 million people come in to visit. Right, right. Exactly. In a small city of, what, half a million people or whatever. Um, okay, uh, the next quote-unquote quick question is, uh, just talk to me a little bit about cruises. You know, cruises are really an important part for us because a lot of, what a lot of people don't know is New Orleans leads the country in what's called pre- and post-stays. Right. People love to cruise from here because they come and spend a couple of days in New Orleans before or after. So where we are is cruising is shut down. Mississippi River cruising has come back. Uh, the cruise industry is fighting really hard to get kickstarted for this summer because the federal government and these are CDC ruling, you know, have pushed them more toward the fall. That's they're losing billions of dollars but they've got to figure a way to do it safety. So something that just happened, Norwegian Cruise Lines just pitched to the CDC to reopen in June, late June or early July, if they met a certain condition. And that condition was every single crew member has to have been vaccinated and every single passenger has to have proof of completing their vaccinations. So what they're doing, the cruise industry didn't want to go there, but they're all watching the reaction to the CDC's ruling about what Norwegian's request is. And then if I think they're allowed to get started before others because of meeting that, you may see others join them. But it's more likely that everything for the cruise is going to depend on herd immunity being achieved in the country. Right. And 
Rich, again, it's sort of like the conventions. We're really looking to fall before we feel like we're going to have that come back. Understood. Yeah. And then, and I, I learned from talking to Brandy Christian the other day that it's not just the passengers, but the, but the, the cruise lines and the cruise line employees themselves that contribute to the economy because everyone's getting off the ship to do their business, trans, you know, moving around, going to the Walmart, uh, going to the bank. I mean, you know, we often forget about the retail part of this. They go shop. And so it is, you can tell if you're around the French Quarter or downtown Canal Street, you can tell when a cruise ship has come into town. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, boom, you know, they're people. And that's why we love the business so much. Right. So, yeah, it sounds like the fall is the first shot of getting one of those carnival ships back. Um, there was hope maybe for the summer, but it looks like it's going to be the fall. Huh? Well, we, we've, we've had conversations with the White House. Uh, our executive vice president, Walt Leger, uh, participated in a call with the White House uh, with the president of Carnival, uh, who's a good friend of mine, Christine Duffy. And, and um, you know, we're trying to make progress, but it's like everything else where it's like baby steps right now. And cruise lines, we are hoping for at some point this summer. But realistically, I'm afraid unless we make major advancements on the vaccination progress, that could end up getting pushed to the fall and we hate to see it. Rich, there's one, I hate to do this to you, but there's one piece that we forgot that's a billion dollar platform here. Yes. International travel. Right, yeah, absolutely. The international flights are shut down right now. And uh, you know, the only people flying back and forth from uh, let's take Europe in particular are those who are dual citizens, are those going home, uh, those who have a business exigency that can be certified that has to be dealt with. So we are what we're hoping for and what we're seeing in New Orleans, our entire international team led by Kim Frias, we are seeing tremendous interest in New Orleans for later this year in 22. In fact, we're hosting in December the Travel South uh, meeting, which is the organization comprised of all of us in the southern U.S. who market into South America and Europe. And so a lot of the top buyers in Europe are going to be here in New Orleans in December. And so as we get flights restored, and of course right now we can't, but we're going to see hundreds of thousands of visitors and we're going to see hopefully regaining hundreds of millions of dollars in international travel. And so, Rich, if I had to put a timeline on that, I would say you'll begin to see a sprinkling of it through the fall, but you're going to really see the doors open after the beginning of the year. It, so, you know, the CDC has its conditional sale order that's that's preventing the cruises from sailing right now. Is there something similar right now? What, what's stopping the international flights from happening? They're literally not allowed by presidential directive. It's just, yeah, it's just shut down. And so- Right. You think by the fall that that'll that will uh, change? Well, I think it will because you know there are two sides to this. Remember, they are having extraordinary problems in Europe with the virus right now. the 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 UK variant after they had really made some ground, the UK variant spread. It went from zero percent to seventy five percent of the infections in France. Same impact in Germany. Same impact in Italy. And the problem is they had real they had difficulty in their vaccine rollouts there. AstraZeneca was a little bit slower. They, 
Look, Britain, the UK is a little bit ahead right now, but I, I mean, France is like second to New Orleans in my heart. And I have a lot of my best friends live there. And I was talking to a chef friend of mine. They're still fighting being able to serve in their restaurants. But get this, it's a thousand euro fine if you drive more than six kilometers from your home. Mm. And I mean, they're on almost lockdown. And so because of that, because they don't have the, vac the vaccine supply level, that's going to be a big part of the equation before you just open the doors again to Europe. We're ready for them to come, but the European governments are focusing really hard on stabilizing it there. And the U.S. government is watching that, and that factors into their decisions on how many flights they allow. So they do allow flights. We have flights from everywhere coming to the U.S., but they're coming to limited locations. It's like New York, it's Chicago, it's L.A., and it's only for certain people. So, you know, it's, um, it is a, it's similar to the conditional sale orders, but it's a complete shutdown right now, except for those who have dual citizenship and, and um, are fortunate in some other ways. Understood. There's a tremendous amount of investment that's underway downtown, and then there's obviously some stuff on the horizon. So talk to me about how does that all play into this sort of roaring 20s uh, post-pandemic situation? So it's, it's, it, it's a great question. With the Four Seasons, we've added an incredible new addition to the luxury hotel segment here, you know, with the Ritz-Carlton, the Windsor Court, the Roosevelt, et cetera. And it's going to, one of the things that we absolutely know is luxury travelers are traveling again. They tend to be a little bit older. They tend to have gone and gotten their vaccinations. They tend, they have money. And they, it's going to be so great having them back because in New Orleans, we skew a little bit older. You know, we think about young people in the quarter, but we have one of the largest segments of the over 45 to 50, you know, into the 60s. And so getting them back is going to be huge for retail, you know, for the Adlers and the Rubensteins and, and, uh, and Sachs and so forth and all the cool little shops. So I think that's got a dual impact. It's going to re-strengthen us. Remember, we're all getting ready for Final Four next April. That's very exciting. And um, so with the, with the other development upriver, it's going to take a little bit for that to happen. The things that are actually more impactful on our industry is the center is going ahead with a huge part of its half a billion dollar master renovation plan not the hotel piece right now, but with the renovation, we're really, we're making the center look brand new inside and out. We're gonna be replacing every meeting room. And that's critical for our uh, convention business, as you can imagine. So I think that's gonna be tremendous in terms of what I don't see is a lot of new hotel development. You know, new hotel, especially if you're building one from scratch, it's really not happening so much in America today because you're looking at, you know, $500,000 plus a key uh, for that cost. And that's just, it's just too much in this environment where you're seeing a lot of movement in capital is uh, in every market in the country, hotels have been for sale. And so you're seeing, it's sort of interesting. It's like, 
you know, when you have downturns in oil and gas or downturns in shipbuilding, you see some buying smaller shipyards and they're making a bigger, healthier company. Right. I think what's going to happen here in New Orleans is you're going to have maybe some some change in ownership on some properties. You'll see some shifting, but you're going to see um, you're going to see strategic investment here that I think is going to be focused for the first part of it on renovations and hotels. The fortunate thing is we have really fresh product. We've got a great hotel product right now. Um, at the other end of the center, what you're going to see is the development of a whole new neighborhood. It's going to be a part of a convention village ultimately. And so even though all of it won't happen right away, what I think you're going to see is a renewed interest in the downtown, in the riverfront. And uh, of course, I hope one day we're able to do the project that uh, Ron Foreman and the convention center and, and Daryl Berger and I helped lead to put together with Audubon in the lead of redoing the riverfront from the moonwalk down to Crescent Park. Uh, that has tremendous potential to open up the riverfront and green space, which New Orleanians love. So I think, you know, things might be, seem like they're on pause just a little bit. And of course they are, because in hotels, you've had a lot of capital calls and you've had the use of reserves, you know, to carry them over. But I think what you're going to come out of it with is a strong, healthy community and a really beautifully developing riverfront that's going to be the story of New Orleans for the next 10 years. Uh, one little follow-up to that, and then I'll let you go. Uh, remember last year when Audubon was asking uh, to use some of the funds that were going to be set aside for that riverfront development to help just get through the crisis? What happened with that? Did that, did that ever come to fruition, or did, are those funds still available? No, no, it didn't. Um, they were not able to reach an agreement with the city administration uh, or, 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 or with the center. But, but I can tell you, they are working hard in Baton Rouge. They have a, they have a small piece of this, uh, a bond piece that was in priority one in capital outlay. We're fighting hard to keep that right now. There's a lot of um, sort of uh, I don't know what the right way to explain it would be. There are some reservations in the legislature about New Orleans development right now because we've done very well with the state over the years. And uh, a lot of our leaders uh, are not there that we had over the decades, like the John Olarios and the Walt Legers and Neil Abramson, et cetera. But we got some good people and they're going to be fighting for us. But I think what you're going to see is... Um, I think you're going to see Audubon be able to figure it out. I can tell you the one person that is always over the decades figured out how to get there is Ron Foreman. <laughs> right. You know what? I think you ought to do a podcast with Ron because he hasn't been able to explain it to the public quite yet. But what he's about to do with a complete reconstruction, gutting, renovation, and the creation of this incredible interactive experience where the aquarium stands now, right? It's gonna be one of the top two attractions opening in the South in the next five years. And I think it would be great as, as the, this unfolds for him to be able to, you know, this is a once in a 20 year thing to talk about. So the news is good, Rich, overall. <laughs> I, you know, uh, um, 
despite what we've been through, we are resilient and we're trying, we've still got 27,000 people out of work. We're trying to get them back to work and in jobs. Um, we're seeing our customers coming back. We're seeing New Orleanians going out. And I think the recovery curve has begun. So we feel good. Well, that's great. It's a great way to end the conversation. I like the optimism. Uh, Stephen Perry, thank you for taking the time to explain all this to us. Thank you, Rich. Always great to speak with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.